This is Talk Ultra. This is episode 9 of the interviews by Talk Ultra. On this week's show, we go back to 2012 and an interview with Scott Jorek. This week's interview is with Scott Yorick. Now, Scott needs no introduction, but if you have just been in Alaska for the last 30 years with no internet, no TV, radio, or other form of communication, here's a quick summary. He has won Zane Gray 50 mile, Mackenzie River Trail 50k, he placed second in his first 100 miler, the Angel's Crest. In 1999, he won Western States and then went on to win seven consecutive times. He has held a course record of 15 hours 36 minutes. He's won Badwater Spartathlon and in 2010, he ran 165.7 miles in 24 hours to set an all-surface record in American running. The list goes on. But, Scott, welcome to Talk Ultra. Thank you for having me, Ian. So, we're speaking primarily because you've got a new book coming out. Um, Would you like to give us a little bit of an introduction? Yes, definitely. Um, Eat and Run is a culmination of uh, a bunch of sweat, blood and tears that uh, has gone into not only my running career, but also uh, what I've done on the uh, whole vegetarian vegan front. And it's uh, it's really basically in a nutshell, it's it's a journey not only about running and food, but just transformation. I went from somebody who used to hate running and hate vegetables, and now I'm fully plant based and I run ultra marathons. Go figure. <laughs> so, you, which, which which do you put the emphasis on? Is it the ultra running or the 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 diet? I would put the emphasis on. Well, the book uh, revolves around, obviously, my running career, but threaded throughout that, that's when I transitioned to being a vegetarian and eventually vegan. So it it kind of like comes along the way as I became more aware of what was going into my body and how I needed to change things and also just change things for uh, long-term health. I mean, that's the real reason I went uh, vegan in the first place. I wasn't expecting those performance changes. But then as I started doing it, I noticed that, hey, this is not only going to benefit me as far as a form of cheap health insurance. It's also a great way to fuel my body, be in more tune with my body. And then I was noticing I was recovering quicker and bouncing back. And at 38, I still feel young and uh, ready to go at any moment. And when did you make the shift? I presume it was a gradual process and, and then all of a sudden there was a, a almost a, a eureka moment? Well, it, it happened in a couple of uh, different instances. I mean, I, I wasn't somebody who just decided one day I'm going to go vegan. I mean, again, I was a hunting and fishing boy from northern Minnesota. So the idea of going vegetarian was not in my uh foreseeable future yeah. uh, and then eating a lot of fast food in college. So really I, it was a couple of things. First off, I, you know, being around a mother who had a chronic disease, such as multiple sclerosis, I, you know, 
became, I guess, aware of like what disease is like um, really close to home. And then working as a physical therapist in hospitals throughout school, I realized that what we feed patients isn't necessarily going to get them healthier, even though I could work on their exercises and help them on a musculoskeletal uh, level. It just wasn't uh, the best thing. And then a book from Andrew Weil came into the picture and it was one of those things where I'm like, I've got to change my ways and start rethinking the way I do things. So, so what was the time scale on this? When did you start that transition? I would say I started it over the course of like a year and a half, two years. So dating back to like 1997, okay. maybe even 96, but it was a slow, gradual transition. Again, I didn't, I didn't do it quick yeah. and definitely didn't plan on making it happen the way that it just was one of those things that evolved. And that's really what the book is about. You know, it's transformation. You, you don't realize just like with ultra marathon, I didn't think I would learn to love running as much as I did, but it was one of those things just keeping my eyes open to possibilities and then grabbing and seizing opportunities and just exploring them. That's really what the book is about. And I think that's what life is about. Yeah. So I think there's a popular misconception that actually this change in your diet and and the veganism was was something that is relatively recent when actually it it dates back pre-Western states. Definitely. In fact, my first Western states in 99, I had just transitioned to being vegan that winter. In fact, with uh, some buddies of mine doing training runs in northern Minnesota where it was, you know, 15 below and snowing and everything. And we'd we'd reconvene after 20 milers out on the roads. And I um, started hanging out with them and they had been vegetarian for a long time. And they said, you know, we heard this guy, Howard Lyman speak. Yeah. You got to check out his book. And he was, of course, uh, Howard Lyman, a third generation cattle rancher from Montana who decided to never eat meat again based on health reasons. And I read his book and just totally was blown away and realized that, okay, if this third generation cattle rancher can do it, so can I. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, we uh, I, I posted on my Facebook page and on the website that, that I was interviewing you and, uh, you know, I asked people to send in questions. And it's interesting that Jared Friesen sent a, a question in and he says, uh, how big of an impact do you think your diet has had on your running? And would you recommend it to others? <laughs> Which almost seems like a silly question at this point when, when we know that it's dating back so long and, and based on the successes that you've had. Yeah, would I would I recommend it? Yeah, I mean, it, obviously you would because the, the the process of of your your involvement as an ultra runner and certainly from your health, you, you know, does does definitely it's had a huge impact. It's had a huge impact, and of course, um, I, I, I'm one of these individuals who I like to lead by example, not shove anything down people's throats. On sorry for the pun, yeah, <laughs> but it's it's really true because if somebody had told me, I mean, again, I grew up. Minnesota rednecks, so to speak. Yeah. And I, you know, if somebody had said, you better be vegan because of X, Y, and Z, um, I just had to find that. And so if somebody's interested in, I guess, bettering their health and bettering their knowledge of their body, um, it's a, it's a great way to do it. And I, I think it's a success if somebody decides to eat lower on the food chain, even once a week or one meal a week, and just starting to see how their body feels. And again, there's no perfect diet for everybody, but eating lower on the food chain is something that we did as humans as we you know, settled in certain areas and love to, um, I guess, have more community versus uh, 
traveling around. So there's, there's some roots in that. And nowadays we have the knowledge and the ability to produce food for, you know, all the people on the planet in a, I guess, more efficient way than I guess things are going and have been going for a number of years. And how does the, the diet impact onto your running? I mean, obviously they work hand in hand, but is there anything that you have to do from a running perspective that, that say um, a conventional runner, and by that, I mean, somebody who's probably eating a meat and a high carbohydrate diet. What specific needs do you have? The key thing is, right from the get-go, try not to think of, I can't eat X, Y, and Z, and just think of it as like an elimination diet. A lot of people think, you know, a vegan diet is this, I guess, restrictive and just very monastic way to live. And I like to look at at it as, this is a diet of integration, of addition. What, you know, what can I eat? I mean, all these new foods were exposed to me. I mean, again, I used to hate vegetables and all of a sudden I'm eating all of these foods that as as a child and adolescent and young adult used to hate and just my taste buds. So I, I guess being open to the to new taste, the textures, and then eventually you'll start to crave it too. But I look at it as, you know, you've got your fat, your protein, your carbohydrate, you definitely need protein sources, you need fat sources, and you need carbohydrate sources, which are plentiful in a, a vegan diet. Yeah. But it's finding those protein sources and fat sources that are good choices. You can obviously eat a lot of vegan so-called junk food yeah. out there. So it's it's key. So for me, I look at it as those kind of three silos to kind of put my diet into. And as long as I'm getting plant sources from all of those groups, you know, I supplement a little bit with B12, um, you know, occasionally add some antioxidants into the mix, such as zinc and selenium. But those are things that I think I would do even if I wasn't eating vegan. Yeah, I mean, there's a quote in in your book where uh, uh, it was said that people had said that my diet and you know you'd been eating plant-based foods for seven years would never sustain you uh, and obviously you've turned that on your head and, and proved them completely wrong what is it is that that you think you message you need to get across to other runners that that would convince them that that veganism or vegetarianism is the way to go well, come over for dinner sometime, <laughs> that's what I would say, because, uh, you know, anytime I, it's funny, I bring food to potlucks or I have people over or, you know, I give uh, a little bit of my lunch to somebody that, or try a bite of this. And they're like, gosh, if I could, I could go vegan if I, you know, could make food like that or eat like that. And it's totally possible. I mean, I, again, look where I came from and, you know, it's just getting over, I guess, that, that mental hurdle and, you know, exploring. I mean, the biggest issue, I think, is just realizing, like, you're not going to feel weak. You're not going to feel depleted um, unless you just don't eat enough and you don't include a lot of new foods into your diet to replace the other foods that you're eating. So um, I, I think that's really key. Just look at things differently. Be open to, you know, new possibilities. And that's for me, too, it, it was a big issue because, um, again, I didn't think um, going vegetarian than vegan was anywhere on my radar. Yeah. Let's talk about your running. Uh, and uh, initially, I'd, I'd like to talk about Western States and seven consecutive wins. Um, I like to sort of think of that of the equivalent of Lance Armstrong with his Tour de France wins. Um, I interviewed Gordy Ainsley 
uh, a couple of months back, and he still states that that your seven consecutive wins is one of the most Im- impressive ultra running feats. The fact that you can be on your game year after year. Um, what's it like having the pressure of maybe winning a couple and then coming back for a third and then a fourth? And and how do you have that focus to to be able to race at that peak level? Yeah, it. Boy, I wish I could bottle it up and uh, fill it. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't we all? Don't sure we all? A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of athletes would like, but it's uh, it's a combination of confidence via training, confidence in you know just the whole picture of training too, like my diet. And again, I think part of the reason I was able to be so consistent was diet was a cornerstone of that. And then, you know, it's the strength, the flexibility, it's staying healthy, it's listening to my body, you know, knowing when to push and knowing when to pull back and showing up on race day at the starting line, then it really comes down to, you got to want it. And I, I wanted it year after year after year, but things didn't always go smoothly. And as in eat and run, I discuss a lot of people assume, Oh, Scott, you're sailed to another win at Western States. But I mean, I had all kinds of things happen. I ran 50 miles on a sprained ankle, um, you know, almost got bit by a rattlesnake. I mean, all these things, you know, come up in an ultra marathon. There's no, I guess there's, there's no, you know, clear cut path. It's, it, and that's, what's the beauty of ultra marathoning yeah. and long distance running. It's, it's really a journey where there's going to be ups and downs and knowing how to handle those and being able to think on your feet is, is really key because you have to be adaptable. And that's what I love about the sport. It, it teaches me how to deal with issues as they come up and then still be mentally strong. Yeah. And that's, that's applicable, I think, in life. Absolutely. Um, I've got another quote, which is, I think it's a great quote, and it almost sounds quite ruthless, which I don't think necessarily goes with your character, but maybe it's, it's to do with the racing character. And that is that uh, in the book you say, to be a champion, you have to believe that you can destroy your competition, but you also have to realize that winning requires total commitment and a wavering focus. A lack of drive, a single misstep might lead to defeat or worse. Had I been too confident, not humble enough, it's quite a it's quite a quote that sums up so many different things and so many aspects. Definitely, it's and it's something again I I use in life because there's always that fine line between you need to be confident and you need to know you you, you have the ability to accomplish something, but at the same time you need to have honor and respect for conditions and competition and just anything that uh, life or a race will throw at you. And it's, uh, I think that's probably the reason I keep going back uh, year after year to run these events and why I've been doing it for 18 years now. It's, I'm, I'm still learning things. From, from the victories that you've had and from the defeats, I mean, if we look at Badwater, we look at Spartathlon and, and I guess your nemesis, UTMB, which are the real highlights for you? Which are the greatest memories? Well, I mean, after uh, the Western States course record that um, has since been broken by Jeff Rose, uh, you know, that was something that was on my to-do list for so long, going back year after year. But then after that, I, I decided, you know, I've got to mix things up a bit. So I'd probably rank, boy, my, my hard rock uh, course record, which again, yeah. uh, got broken. Uh, and then going on to the Spartathlon and Badwater and, and experimenting with some of these events where, I mean, I, 
at heart, I'm a mountain trail guy. I love to be in the mountains, love to be running on single track trail, but there's definitely an allure to running some of these classic tests of ultra endurance and Badwater and Spartathlon are two of those. And then of course the 24 hour events. So I've been just trying to mix things up and, and I guess find different tools, so to speak, that can kind of pry me open and force me to be more adaptable and to do what ultra marathoners do best i guess um yeah and where are we at at the moment i mean obviously uh there's a a big publicity campaign with your book um but what's next for scott yorick the runner boy um you know i i still have this desire i mean i totally uh respect and Giannis Kuros has been a, a big I guess yeah. uh, idol of mine just because of what he has done but there's something there's just that allure of what he has done on the road for the 24-hour event and on the track where people have said you know his records are, and he even has said this that his records will stand for centuries and they they just seem like these far out um, yeah. I guess accomplishments there are to wrap around but I really would like to see and that's kind of where I'm headed next is I'd, I'd like to see if I can, I guess, uh, put a record, a world record behind my name. And it's a tall order and uh, it, it's something where each day I'm like, gosh, can I really do this? But those are definitely, you know, the Ultra Trail Tour de, Tour de Mont Blanc. I'm taking a break from that after going five years uh, straight over to that event and just not having my my race that I need to have. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to mix things up and I'm realizing too, I might have, you know, maybe a half a dozen races uh, that I can put 110% Scott Jurek energy into. And I, I think there are a finite number of races and we see legends of the sport stick around for quite a while, but you know, there's some days where I'm like, it'd be nice just to go for a three hour yeah. run and not worry about uh, an event that's yeah. a train force. So I'm looking forward to that. And then I, I have a lot of journey runs I want to do. There are a lot of events that uh, not even, Events, just trails just trails i want to run from point a to point z and maybe uh you know, not even try to you know get after a, a fastest known time thing but just go out there and and run from point to point that's i guess pure yeah trail running and what we're we talking finest. there are we talking about pacific crest trail and, and similar um there's there's some uh there's even some road routes i mean for instance on my book tour in new york city i've always wanted to run around manhattan and i'm like you know what i've got I've got half a day and I don't have um, a whole lot going on in the morning. I'm just going to run around the island because Ted Corbett, one of the legends of the sport of distance running and ultra marathoning, uh, used to do that route. And so there's some appreciation even for these like road loops that in not 2000 mile trail um, outings, I'm not sure like I would like to do the Pacific Crest Trail on some of these really long trails, but um, I've, I've crewed David Horton on that one and I've, I've helped people when they've run super long distances and it's, uh, it's, it's a bit of a logistical challenge and um, <laughs> it's one of those things where I just keep them a little bit shorter maybe, but I have fascinations of running across the country too, just because again, the history behind that and even running some of the events like yeah. you know, London to Brighton, which uh, of course has been defunct for years, but that's a route. I mean, Comrades Marathon running that event, even though I wouldn't be competitive at the very top, um, it's it's like I've got to do some of these Holy Grail events. Yeah, I mean, that would be awesome to get you at Comrades. I mean, Comrades is this Sunday, so uh, obviously it's a little bit short notice <laughs> for this year. But... <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to run 50 miles <laughs> no. fast on the road, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
is there any possibilities that we can get you over to the UK to run? Are you going to come promote the book over here? Well, it is being published in the UK a month later, um, July 5th. And I definitely, believe it or not, I haven't been over to the UK and it's it's been on my list and I definitely want to get over there this summer. We're, we're still working out some of those details, but uh, you can uh, tell everybody in the UK that I, I do want to get over and I'm really looking forward to uh, doing some runs. I'm not sure if there'll be races, but on my tour in the US, I'm doing group runs where I'm just running with folks and we're going out for four or five mile runs. And, you know, it's not about, I guess, racing. It's, it's really about just celebrating running. So hoping to do that over in the UK and maybe, uh, maybe I'll be able to have a little time to, to tackle some of the, the true classic routes. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we can in any way publish that on tour culture and, and, you know, mobilize a, a group of people to meet up and go for a run, that would be absolutely fantastic. Definitely. Um, and what about Southern Hemisphere? Are there any plans to, to race in Australia or New Zealand? Um, I, I haven't been to Australia and New Zealand, partly because I've always thought I'm going to need a month to explore uh, New Zealand or <laughs> yeah. you know, a few weeks in Australia. So we'll see if I get over um, to New Zealand and Australia when the book uh, gets out over there in uh, July. And it it's definitely on my list and it's one of those things where I just can't uh, justify going over for you know, seven to 10 days, but I guess yeah, something would be better than nothing. And I know I have a lot of fans over there and trail running is uh, obviously a huge sport. Now I've just recently come back from the, um, a couple of races. One was the Transvolcania La Palma, which was in the Canaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then I was in the Pyrenees, um, for Zagama, two very tough races, which had, a, 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 an incredible American contingent. Um, you know, the race organizers, which was sky running, flew a whole group of people over that included Jeff Rose, Sebastian Chagnot, mm-hmm. Joe Grant, Anton Kruprichka, although Anton wasn't, was running um and to actually bring this quantity of of what i would consider elite ultra talent into one place is is a is a significant movement and there's a, a definite wave of them at the moment that that sort of sees the the ultra community and the sport moving into a new direction and interestingly i was watching the uk tv not so long ago and and there there i saw this guy running along the road and then i suddenly realized it was you in a in a Vauxhall commercial <laughs> advert, <laughs> and, and of course, I immediately picked up the phone and phoned a few friends up and said, "I, I don't believe it, Scott. Your ex in a TV advert." So there's a, a definite shift in commercialism and and the sport gaining a, a higher notoriety. Where do you think it's going to go? Well, I think it's going to go to a certain degree where um, we are limited to the numbers of people. So we can't, you know, blow up events like they, they have done with marathons because we just can't hold those numbers of people. I mean, comrades is an exception in terms of having thousands upon thousands of people on a road course, but we're limited to the numbers. So I think that's going to be, we're going to see more events. We've already seen that happening as far as um, prize money and people being able to be professional ultra marathoners Um, that I do see happening more and more. And, I mean, for instance, the book like Born to Run is exposing the sport to more and more people, which I think is great because there was a bunch of, uh, I don't know if I can say old timers, but um, people who'd been in the sport, you know, 15, 20 years prior to when I got into it were really worried about, you know, how the sport's going to change. But I think like anything, we're going to see changes. And, you know, some people aren't going to like certain changes, but at the core, running is whatever the individual 
makes of the experience. So I don't think ultra marathoning is going to lose its soul like some people worry. So we're going to see people making money. We see race directors making money. We see races not providing prize money because they want to stick to, I guess, a, a pure, um, more simpler approach. But in general, I think we're going to see you know, more and more inclusion. And maybe we probably won't see it to the extent of triathlete because there's still something about ultramarathoning that's, yeah. we love the roots of it and the purity. Um, but I think it's going to be a mix. It's it's going to be a happy medium, which again, you know, it took me probably, I don't know, close to 12, 13 years to be quote, a professional ultra runner. And at that, it uh, took a while before I could make enough money to, you know, and now I'm ready to retire, go figure. <laughs> so I guess that's the way. But I think what's important is that, that we as the ultra community will will work together to make sure that the sport in, in some ways is held together and we don't lose the heritage that we love. Um, and a question came in from um, <clears throat> Mark Thatcher about um, about who are your heroes and and who have you looked up to and who do who's been your greatest influence i mean obviously you've mentioned mentioned Giannis Kouros there but but who else oh i have to say arthur newton and those of you in the uk if you don't know who arthur newton yeah. um look him up he's he's an amazing individual bruce fordyce out of south africa um just looking at yep. his training plan and what he did um is mind-boggling um and then also the the the, the ultra runners who we don't always give credit, but that's part of the reason I went down to the Copper Canyon. The Taramaran were uh, legendary runners who yeah. I drew a lot of inspiration from. Uh, the fish runners down, um, believe it or not, in the Andes and uh, who used to run. So the indigenous cultures, the marathon monks of Mount Hie, I draw inspiration from these groups as well. So they're not always the I guess the, the elite yeah, the racers or legends of the sport. And then, of course, Ted Corbett, who I mentioned previously, the U.S. Um, African-American uh, runner and legend who changed the sport in so many ways. And then a book uh, called Ultra Marathon by Jim Shapiro. He, uh, I, I will never forget when I read his description of the 24-hour race held in the Crystal Palace in London, and he described what a 24-hour event was like and just the pure soul of that event. And I thought, you know, maybe I will do one of these events. And prior to that, I said, no way. I think it's just crazy to run around for 24 hours. So I like to draw yeah. inspiration from, from all areas of the sport and all legends. Um, of course, there's Sue Ellen Trapp and Ann Trayson on the women's side. So I think it's true that we, we draw inspiration from all. And then there's people right now who I draw inspiration from that are on the extreme sport side of things. I've taken up a little slack lining due to my friend Dean Potter getting me interested in it. And I think people who are on the outdoor ultra endurance as well as just extreme sports, um, I draw a lot from them too. So and it's mixing into my own, I guess, art form. Yeah. Well, we're coming towards the end of the interview and I, I'd like to mention a couple of things. And um, I know that Killian Journey has, has been an inspiration to you. And, and just today, actually, he's announced his uh, his new project for the next three years, which is called Summits, where he's doing speed attempts on major climbs. And he's actually finishing off with a, a speed ascent and descent of Everest. Anything on the calendar for you like that? Something that's a little bit of a departure, but connected to what you've done? Uh, 
I wish I could say there's, um, <laughs> I, you know, I've had, I had ideas, like I said, of running across the country or doing certain trails. And, you know, to be quite honest, it's just this world record running around in circles that, that is getting my, uh, <laughs> my efforts right now and my, uh, <laughs> yeah. my artistic flair, but, uh, I'm definitely interested in doing some things, but you, you might, you might see something. I mean, I'm, uh, again, I'm, I'm not so much into the you know, day after day of, you know, trying to get fastest times and, and seeing that toll that it takes. So I'm, I'm trying to, to mix it up right now, but you never know. You might see me going after something like that, but it'll be done in a, a pure way for sure. And, and one of the final points, um, obviously I think we should mention Cabello Blanco. He, uh, you know, he, he, he was a big part of your life and, and sadly he's no longer with us. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where you just, uh, it's a reminder. I mean, it's obviously heartbreaking. Uh, we've lost somebody who gave so much to the running community um, and didn't even realize. And I think what we t- can take from that is y- you never realize how much of an impact something can have. And just the small little event that he had visions for not necessarily turning into this best-selling book or that people would, you know, I guess, recognize him when he's walking on the streets. It, it's really about pouring your passion and your abilities into helping others and, and making the world a better place. And you just never know where that might take you. And I think he's uh, he's a source of inspiration for runners, but I think he's a source of inspiration for life, more importantly. I mean, that's a great way to finish the interview. Um, now, your book's available in the U.S. on June the 5th. It's that's available great. in the UK and, and the rest of Europe on July the 5th. For some reason, we're getting a month later, which is not good. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> and um, am I right in saying that there's going to be book excerpts on your website at scottyorek.com? Yes, and there have been, you know, people can search those out, Runner's World, and I've got links, and there'll be a book page. People can get more information. There's even some recipes, uh, sample recipes that you can, you can get and uh, see if you can uh, enjoy vegan lentil burgers as much as uh, I have. Uh, there's a recipe there. So yeah, definitely. And that's at com slash eat and run, or they can just go straight to scottjurek.com. Brilliant. Well, I hope to see you when you come over to the UK and uh, I sincerely hope that we can all get a run together. Um, and I'd like to really thank you for your time. It's uh, It's been a real pleasure. Well, thank you, Ian. And uh, yeah, I look forward to getting over to the UK. It'd be, uh, it'd be awesome if we'd get up in that Lakes District. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I mean, the the Lake District is is not far away from where I live, and and it's one of my training playgrounds. So uh, it would be an absolute pleasure to take you around some of the uh, the trails in the lakes. They are some of the best uh, in the world. I yeah, think. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'll take you up on it. Brilliant. Uh, thanks very much. Scott. Thank you. This is Talk Ultra. 